lunch at Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good. Hello and welcome to Uncle Mo's Family Feedback, where we look through the dizzying highs, the terrifying lows, and the creamy middles of The Simpsons seasons 1 to 12 through random episode generation. I'm, of course, your host, Tyler McRae, and join with me in their great uh, comeback yet again. Uh, they've been into the great white north and into the um, needle ridden seas and shores of Blackpool. And now they've decided to uh, join little old me back on the pod again. It's been two years. It's been so long. They're here. They're queer. They don't want any more bears, like the Springfield mob said many moons ago. It's Sash Steele. Sash, <laughs> how the hell are you? It's good to have you back on. What an intro. It's good to be back. Thank you. It's been way too long and I'm so, so excited to be back on the podcast uh, yeah, it's been simultaneously a really long time and felt like it's passed in the blink of an eye, for sure. But yeah, I'm doing well. How are you, Tyler? How's it going? It's grand. Uh, I've cried myself to sleep, folks, because for the first time, well, in like 30 years, the WWE and the big cavalcade of characters and um, all sorts of people are coming to Cardiff to have their first stadium show since SummerSlam 1992. And... Um, you know, you think there'd be a good company and think, oh, you know, we're having it in Britain and, you know, in the UK. We'll make it very friendly uh, for the infrastructure of the UK. Fuck no, we're going to start at 7pm and the only train you can get back to your little city is at half seven. So it's not even worth fucking going. So I have uh, stubbed my toe and steeped up some cash to uh, pay a hotel for myself and Sash. Uh, as, they have, as I've been corrupting their brain, their innocent brain, into getting into pro wrestling and i think it's been good for the most part sash but uh i'm just treating it like uh, an expense i'll try and get an expense out of it there sash are you excited oh mate i am unbelievably hyped it's gonna be so much fun i love wrestling i love the atmosphere this is like 100 percent the best thing to see live um i don't even know any of the names of the people that you listed like they've just gone through my brain like water through a sieve but i'm here for it anyway i'm here for the atmosphere look forward to the law look forward to the vibe look forward to the sweet sweet wrestling action so uh i guess for people wanting to travel then or particularly wanting to go to the u.s or the great north itself in canada there um what's one bit of advice would you give to uh travelers holiday makers if they're going to you know god's country in canada um wrap up warm for sure uh yeah well i guess it really depends where you're going i think just make the most of it it's such a nice place to go and there's so much to see and do um if you're there long term get a car uh kind of move around under your own power because public transport is shit um see as much as you can um do all the things that you wouldn't get to do here do the skiing do the hiking um, just make the most of it, really. Yeah, uh, there's something for everyone, for sure. And try some poutine, too. It's very good. It's basically chips and gravy with cheese. Um, but I don't know, for some reason, it just hits different over there. I have heard of that before, and um, it does look delectable over there. I had no idea, well, I'd assume, because mm-hmm. it's Canada and it's a fairly progressive nation and all that, but... Like, the transportation is uh, behind the times, then. It's a bit backwards. I wouldn't have expected that. 
Yeah, me neither. But I guess it's so spread out, it's kind of a lot harder to build um, transport links between such big spaces, you know. Uh, yeah, I guess it's just not a thing people prioritise over there because they assume that everyone can drive. It's definitely a bit of an odd one. was the biggest culture shock, but um, yeah, like you can get the bus, but you're honestly better off just driving or making friends with people who can drive, which is also what worked for me. Of course, then um, to infer on the stereotypes, you're either going to have to go on moose back, I assume there. Yeah, never saw a <laughs> moose, actually. Saw a couple of bears, never saw a moose. But that would oh. certainly be a sight to see. Oh, that's another shocker. All right, okay. Yeah, that's rare, man. Like, the hard to spot. And the episode we're reviewing today is Lisa Gets an A from Season 10, Episode 7, directed by Bob Anderson, written by Ian Maxstone Graham, with the original air date being November the 22nd, 1998, and the couch gag being that the family all have hair transplants and they all swap it around. And as always, I ask my um, co-host, Sash Steele, um, what do you think of this here episode? Because it's not, it's not a top ten one. It's not one people instantly think of there. But have you got any nostalgic memories of this from when you were a kid, or any memories at all? Honestly, watching this um, more or less was like watching it for the first time. I I think I remembered the couch gag, and that was probably it. Um, yeah, it was actually really interesting to look back on because. I've been kind of watching some um, later season Simpsons kind of just on TV in the background or whatever um, recently. Uh, And then going from that to this just felt very jarring. It's a very, very different Simpsons to what is out today. Like just very tonally, tonally different. I don't know how to say different anymore without saying the word different one more time, so I'm not going to, but it's just a different vibe. Myself, um... For it being season 10, like, and spoilers, folks, I was surprised at how good this episode was here. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot different from, what would you say, core seasons, the golden, the quote, golden era, as all these content creators like to say and publish and brand. But um, uh, just, yeah, strap yourselves in, folks, because I've got a lot of uh, positive opinions on this one, to say the least there. And a lot of, uh, sub- a lot of just gags the hit rate of gags there um you know don't don't be looking for heart and like emotion there but if you want machine gun rate fiery gags this one's got it by the boatload sash definitely it's very tightly plotted very tightly written like i think there's three jokes within the first like 30 seconds or something it really is rapid fire you've absolutely nailed it with that assessment there and how we kick this one off it's another sunday there everyone's in the church and Reverend Lovejoy's banging on. He's trying to get the last sentence out with, ah, minister is coming through. And he just rattles on there like my nan back in the day. And even Homer comes up with it, oh, don't make me come up there. But they are eventually (laughs) released there, back into the wild. And they all scramble for some lunch there. And even, you know, Bart's thinking, oh, Christ, that was boring. Can we just please switch to Catholicism for the communion wafers and booze? But... So no, no for Marge, you know, three kids is enough, Sash, damn it. <laughs> and where and where do they go to, you know, satiate themselves after a long, boring Sunday sermon? Well, I was just going to skip back a second and say how much I relate to um, going to church every Sunday and that minute where you kind of feel like it's wrapping up and you're waiting on the edge of your seat, waiting to go home after being forced to sit still for an hour 
listen to the preachings of Jesus. Um, oh, so and you're you just... a regular churchgoer then, Sash? Yeah, my mother is very Catholic. Have I never talked about this? All right. Uh, I suppose in behind the scenes, folks, uh, messaging Sash throughout the day and all that. I'm aware of, um, you know, being friends with the vicar there, and it's all very um, last of the summer wine and everything else. But I didn't know you yourself were uh, in God's hands, as it were, visiting the church or every Sunday. Oh, please tell. Well, only because my mother made us, like, since I was a kid. That was ah, it, you like know, everyone got to go to church. Nice. Yeah, no, I quit as soon as I could. I mean, um, I was involved in church because it was, like, something to do. So I started being an altar server because it was more fun than kind of sitting in the audience or whatever, you know. Um, but, yeah, no, definitely kind of uh, rapid swerve out of God's hands, as you put it, as soon as I was able, as soon as my mother was allowed to... Um, as soon as my mother let me quit, I was out of there. Did you have any fave hymn? Shine Jesus Shine, maybe, or anything like oh, that? Oh, sh- Shine Jesus Shine, absolute banger. What's the <laughs> other one? Um, oh, there's one called Children of the Light, which was uh, one that our head teacher used to be a big fan of. Um, well, so was Gloria, Gloria, in Excelsis Deo. The thing is, honestly, like I went to church for 14 years, and that stuff is like... Deep oh, in my brain. Yeah. Oh, I assumed you were going on to like year seven or eight, but 14 years. Mm-hmm. Well, over- wow, okay. So what do they do? They end up going to uh, the local Costco, as it were, there, and um, home with brilliant philosophy, again, being a real shithouse fraud, saying, oh, well, you know, if it's on a stick, it's free. That's the rules. And he's just yamming these big roast chickens Everything else there, he's piercing the Duff can and having a bit of a sesh with it as well. Now, I've recently been to, like, in the past month, I went mm-hmm. to Costco for the first ever time, folks, and it is very much like um, that other Simpsons episode with Monster Mart, you know, Apu's unemployed, and uh, Marge goes around there, oh, that's a good price for five pounds of nutmeg, and these big bottles of syrup. It is legit all that there. Uh, the sneaky thing is, because it's, American and everything else to boot, um, you've got to remember the pricing of it. So let's say it's, uh, uh, I'm looking at, yes, I'm looking at a kilogram uh, pot of cashews I bought. I'm looking at them right now in my room. They were about £7 something pre-tax. You've got to look at the tax price as well there because a lot of people forget that, Sash. And then they realise yeah. like, what the fuck, it's £9 for this? It was. It said it was £7. No, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, see, that's the. Th- it's not sneaky, but it's just you have to remember that going in, and you got to remember to keep your receipt with you as well. Otherwise, they do not let you leave. You end up being in prison, like right by the hundred links of hot dogs and you know the the five hundred pack of tampons there. You got to keep your receipt with you, otherwise they won't let you leave. They'll just assume you've stole everything. I don't know why it's just a did- weird culture there. I did not know that about the receipt. Um, Canada was the same as far as adding the tax on after, so we'll be fine with that. But um, as someone who probably would lose the receipt, I'd probably be a permanent resident of Costco at this point. So the more you know, yeah, I've never been to a Costco. At some point I should. It is solid. Uh, well, you think you're doing good by getting like, you know, 20 dozen like um, white chicken breast meat and five... 50 uh, bits of back belly pork uh, until the area you live in ends up having multiple fucking power cuts over the week and a half. So um, don't go living in my area, folks. 
because uh, you'll just get punished for buying like thirty pounds worth of meat there. Uh, it's a cruel twist of fate, Sash. I, I, I was not happy. <laughs> yeah, the heavens were not smiling down on you oh. at that day for sure. A tragedy in two acts, definitely. And interestingly enough, um, Lisa goes to the veggie section where they've got a, you know, oven roasted cow cud there and uh, veggie omai oh and all sorts of little uh, triscuits there. Um, now as a veggie, it is uh, oven roasted cow cud. Uh, sound appealing there. It marinated in its own drool. Does that uh, set your taste buds going? You know what? Surprisingly, not at all. You know, I know that sounds incredibly, um, incredibly appetizing, but no, I think I'll pass. How about you, Tyler? What's your favourite food that comes on a stick? Oh, Christ. Uh, there was some. It was a bit sporadic when I actually went to Costco itself because it was on a Sunday and the stuff on sticks was a bit sparse because, like, everyone was everyone was around there that was getting the free stuff. Like, uh, pigs at mm-hmm. a trough. Like, even worse when you go to a supermarket brand choice because they're not paying me. I'm not going to say a name. It's like mm-hmm. when you go to any kind of supermarket and it's, um, you know, peak yellow ticketing hours and they reduce stuff. And everyone just looks like um, ca- uh, cows getting led to the sort of like, all right, we all know why we're here. Let's just get over with it and just swipe this very cheap sushi for myself there and fight off uh, Agnes with a bad hip there. It's not as savage as that, but um, <laughs> I had I had chicken schnitzel, which was Ooh. lovely. But then again, it's uh, I live with um, about four other people. So you got you can't be selfish with the uh, fridge space there. you got to mm-hmm. mentally plan. you got to come with a uh, plan of attack, folks, with that. Hence why I got a lot of freezer stuff. You just got to think sensibly. That makes sense. Very um, adult life conversation we're having right now, Tyler. This is how it is when you're near your 30s. It all comes down to uh, planning out your fridge space. But yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um, for me, you can't really go wrong with a, a cube of nondescript orange cheese, a pickled onion and a cocktail sausage. Classic combo. Ooh, yeah. The, uh, the funeral special, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> God. <laughs> Are you, you, you even missing the pineapple oh. chunk? Do you remember them? Oh, yeah, of yeah. course, of course. Oh, well. Um. <laughs> and I feel like if I ever get you to do this, then please slap me, Sash, because we have Homer trying to get his uh, little pick through um, Ben and Jerry's there, trying to get Candy Warhol, Millie Vanilli, and then um, he just lifts up Sash to get to the good stuff, you know, right at the back. But he doesn't want any dead guys. He, he doesn't want, um, you know, uh, Xavier Nougat and the like there. But he, he ends up endangering his own daughter, practically giving her the coal. So Marge has to retrieve her. And he's, he's yeah, Sherbert Hoover. The... And if you look, I didn't mm-hmm. realise this till I had to rewatch it. Homer's been there for a good time, like 20 minutes, because you can see stuff opened. You can see some ice cream starting to melt as well, just like in this one still shot. So he's been a right C word and is just messing up the whole shop's um the whole shop's front there. He's ruining the ice cream sash. Yeah, you're right. That's a really good detail. Like definitely speaks to the passage of time there for sure. And whilst uh, Lisa's been made sick now and they haven't to leave the store, Homer decides to try and <laughs> literally pick <laughs> more ways than one. A lobster, but it turns out they're uh, eight dollars a pound, and he can't even work it out. 
So he's almost defeated until he spots the runt of the litter there. He spots Pinchy Sash. And we'll get into Pinchy uh-huh. a little bit more. Uh, well, I suppose we can get into him now because he ends up bringing him home because he's got a plan, Sash. Can you remember Homer's plan with Pinchy here? Uh, he's definitely going to eat it. I don't know if he had a specific recipe in mind. Remind me, question mark? Uh, no recipe itself, but he's buying this $5 runt lobster. He's going to fatten it up to an $80 lobster and eat the profits. So mm-hmm. he's essentially doing the, he's doing the long con. He's being very thrifty there. Um, he also made the rookie mistake as well because they need to be in salt water. Oh, it's fine. I'm fine tuning. Oh god, I love this gag. Yeah, um, yeah. What's he, how's, how's he? How's he fine tuning it, Sash? What's he doing? So he's pouring alternate salt and like, um, well, like alkaline solution into it, and just like balancing it out. And so you'll see the fish tilt one way, and then the lobster tilt the other way. It's like they have go through varying stages of aliveness. So funny. Oh yeah, you just got to make sure they're half dead and bang on. It looks like they're on a line. It's absolute brilliant. Uh, Visual gag there. Lisa keeps on sneezing, so she's off to bed early. But Homer's fine. He's picked him up some. Like, how ruthless is he with this pick? It's like a. He's like a <laughs> hitman. He's just piercing through the cardboard as well. Marge, like, I mean, at this point, if you're married to him this long, she's just like indifferent. The fa- That's another thing. The faces she pulls in this episode and what she has to put with Pinchy, brilliant. Oh, mate, there's some good ones, definitely. I know, I keep kind of pausing it um, on just, like, random bits and just being very amused by the the freeze frames that you get. I also really, sorry, just to, like, as an aside, I really like the line art quality in this episode. It's so nice to go back and see this because it's so polished in the modern um, the modern seasons, like the later seasons, and just seeing it kind of, like, the slightly imperfect outlines here, it's so nice. All right. So, what um, is there anything in particular you noticed about uh, th- this uh, imperfect line art through the app? Any- anywhere? It's just like no. It's just a clear aesthetic difference. You know. Um, I think you put a screenshot from this side by side with I don't know something from what season are we on now? Like twenty four, twenty five? Question mark. Um, you can just see the difference. You know. Uh, the lines are a little bit less uh, filled out all the way. They're a little bit shakier. It just has a bit more of an organic feel to it. I just find it really pleasing to watch. Salisa is um, thick with the cold there. Uh, So Marge is doing the responsible thing and phoning the school, saying, nope, you're not coming in. And Lisa being goody-two-shoes swat that she is, saying, like, no, Mom, let's work out a deal. And, like, this really hit me as well. And then you realise when you're a kid to an adult, oh, no, she's bang like, you don't have anything I want. Oh, <laughs> like, did, did you, I remember. I remember bargaining with my mum. Uh, I can't remember exactly what for. I think I was trying to get money for a game. I was like, "Yeah, right. Uh, how about I swap you?" And then I'm trying to think. Like, no way. She bought me that. No, that wouldn't be special for her. Fuck. I have nothing. Like, literally, she said, "No, but you can't give me anything." I was like, "Uh, I'll clean. I'll mow the lawn." And then she went. <laughs> No, because your dad's already done that. Oh, well, fuck me. <laughs> like, you're truly valueless as a kid. She's absolutely bang on. Mm, definitely. A humbling experience, for sure. Does that negotiating power get better with age? Where it's like, oh, I can drive you back from the pub or whatever. Or 
Oh yeah, once know. you're like an adult to you know this capitalist world, and you have monetary value, you know, or a car, um, like your car <laughs> van is there, Sash. Then by all means, yeah, then you get judged, and then you can barter with folk. It gets much better. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I'll just tell back a tiny bit. This is where we get to see Homer falling in love with Pinchy. Uh, very mm-hmm. much the meme I've seen on TikTok of, oh, dad's with the dog that they never wanted and didn't want. And then it's just them like ruffling the dog and just cuddling it and all that. Homer's in love with Pinchy so much so that he's treating him to egg and bacon as well. Because you're nothing but bones. He wants them to grow and thrive, Sash, there. Oh my god, you're so right. I hadn't even thought about that metaphor, but you're exactly right. That is the meme. It's there. Dad, dad, can we get a dog? Oh, I don't want a dog. Cute photos of the dad and the dog asleep, like the best friends on the couch forever and ever. So Lisa's busy watching, you know, National Geographic. The seaweed shark strikes again in a horrific manner against that poor seaweed. Uh, but Marge, is, I guess, she's the like the best mom here saying, oh no, you, you shouldn't be learning there. Why don't you try these um, video games? You know, Hugh Downs says they're the latest craze. Do you have any <laughs> idea who Hugh Downs is? No, I don't. You? Who is Hugh Downs? I was going to ask, yeah, I think you're the lead on trivia for this episode, for sure. He is Who's essentially that? a legendary American like television broadcaster, commentator, you know, voiceover guy, you know, very prominent in the post-war era 50s all the way to the 90s there, just a TV legend in America. And the fact this ah. very old, very white man saying, hey, there are the latest craze. That's the whole gag in itself there. And of course Marge loves that because she's a big lame one, as we all know and love there. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. That's a... Thanks for grounding that out for me with a bit of context. Very on brand for Marge. To be like, ooh, this guy says kids think this is cool. That's okay. <laughs> I can't do a Marge voice as well as you, so I'm not even going to try. Get ready, folks. We're going to go on the deep dive here. So we, uh, Lisa ends up pretty much playing on Bart's PlayStation, and this is mm-hmm. essentially Crash Bandicoot, but it's more mm-hmm. a Dingo Dash in this game. Now, I'm trying to think, like, sick days off and playing games there. We'll get more into that, but did you ever play, because I'll surprise you, I never played Crash Bandicoot, Sash. Oh, mate, no way. I love Crash Bandicoot. Yeah. Please it wasn't tell like us the main. How, how impactful was this in your childhood? Was it a great game? Did you struggle getting uh, that one? I know there's one mission where you got to run and hop over all the holes, and that used to frustrate kids and make them cry. Walk us through it, <laughs> Sash, please. Um, honestly, it doesn't stick out in my mind as much as like Super Mario or Sonic. Um, so I don't have the biggest recollection. But I do remember loving the spin attack and going through the crates and I loved the little flying um, like mask guy. Uh, and I remember just thinking that the level designs were really cool. Um, yeah, as a crush, like a very, very casual Crush Bandicoot fan, I did really enjoy this pastiche here. But I can definitely relate to the frustration in general of getting stuck on video games like this. Like getting my brother to do the Donkey Kong level or the Super Mario level or what have you, just because I couldn't get past that one bit. Trying the same level 20 times, running out of one-ups, saving and starting again. It's all very relatable. Yeah, and they say Dark Souls is horrible. No, you weren't there for Crash Bandicoot and no saves. How dare you? Exactly. They don't know how good they've got it. Fun fact, people at home, um, I had to get my mum to 
finish Spyro because I could not do that last mission because I'd always run out of lives and I'd end up crying. And then she um, <laughs> she had to chase Nasty Nork and bop him three times without uh, like dying in the lava there. So, yeah, I got like 90% of it and then my mum did the final 10% there. She got me over the line. Yeah, what a champion. That is parents stepping up mm. for the kids. Really and also is. for a bit of peace and quiet. <laughs> but Lisa's not taken a dash dingo initially saying, oh, this is stupid. Oh, what? Ninjas? They're not even Australian. And then, as it happens, she spent like four hours on a day off when, you know, you're supposed to get the washing done. You're supposed to meet up with your mate. But no, you've spent five hours in, you know, Yakuza Zero just trying to get every kind of unlockable and achievable. We've all been there. But thankfully, um, you know, before she gets this special anti-gravity lozenge, she's interrupted by our sweet doll boy, Ralph, uh, giving her her homework. Uh, what kind of homework is this? What kind of book report, Sash? Oh, my God. The Wind and the Willows, one of my favourite books. I know, I saw this. Also, sorry, when Ralph appears, absolutely made me cackle. Like, peak Ralph Wiggum. Yeah. Just such a funny gag. Like, so understated. He just pops up, he just says, like, the one line or whatever. And, yeah, no, it's great. Um, but, yeah, Wind in the Willows, great book. Have you ever read it? I have not read it, but when I was very young, I had the TV series on VHS, the stop-motion one with... Peter Salas, Wallace himself. Oh, yeah. David Jason as Toad. And mm-hmm. then um, oh, there's another like great British uh, theatre actor there. So I was a big fan of that series there. Uh, did you ever watch the series, Sash? Uh, I didn't. I've seen a couple of the like movies and various adaptations. I've seen the live-action one with Matt Lucas as Toad, which is uh, incredibly amusing. So oh, did he black up for it by any chance? No, he's just got um, oh, a bald cap on <laughs> and a bit of a weird makeup. You know, what? I'm going to do a quick visual Google. Uh, oh, good. Because I don't a think he I looks. Can't watch Little Britain now. <laughs> yeah, no, he's basically just himself. Um, he's a uh, yeah. It's him. It's got Mark Gattis and then someone else. It's actually really, really well cast. And no unfortunate, yeah, no unfortunate, um, no unfortunate casting makeup choices, as far as I can recall, and especially not looking at the DVD covers. It's worth a look, it's very funny. So, this is the great moment, Toad. You're off. Mm, Well, soon, yes. Soon, but not now. My dear Rad, I have to pack a few simple provisions for the journey. But you'll only be up for about an hour. An hour? Woo! I didn't think it would be that long. Oh, Toad, come on. No, not likely. I might starve to death. No, 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 it's all right. I'll just go and get a few more sandwiches. Yes, and, of course, a cake or two. I'll need a few packets of biscuits. Dinner two of soup. My pains. Come, we'd better go and make sure that he doesn't take enough to prevent him lifting off. Foolish, greedy creature. I'll have to link you this um, 80s series there because... I mean, you're massive on frog, Sash. For anyone who doesn't know, like, the cutest animal you can ever think of for Sash is a frog. And uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Toad is um, all over it. Like, David Jason plays an absolute blinder. Like, he does a completely different voice. You expect him being Del Boy. No, but he's just, like, this posh, daft toad. And uh, it's really camp, Sash. Like, I watched oh, it brilliant. back, like... And it's, like, it's a bunch of um, camp 
imagine just a bunch of camp middle class men hanging out with each other like so you can tell like some of them are like clearly in a relationship there oh yeah i mean definitely polyamorous representation I mean, at its like, finest. I'm, not, I'm not gonna go into detail because i can't because <laughs> i'm a straight man but like badger is clearly like the big bear of the group he's the big masculine one then like oh it's just it's weird and bizarre and mm-hmm. oh their villains were the um the weasels they used to scare yeah, yeah. the shit out of me um mm-hmm. when i was a kid because like the leader one was a cockney and then his understudy was like from bolton so you got all the regional <laughs> accents there it was brilliant and, and one of them got there you actually see one of the foot uh weasels uh foot get trapped in like a bear trap and it's excruciating yeah. like the foley and the screen like fuck me this was for kids Jesus, ITV, calm down. They really um, pushed that crap past the radar back in the day. They did. Like Again, everyone else, watch this and then go watch um, Watership Down. That's the one, if you want traumatising. Oh, mate. Yes. Talk about childhood um, things that imprint in your mind as far as uh, childhood nightmare fuel goes. Watership Down is the one. So Lisa is getting so into Dash Dingo that she's just dashing the book on the floor there um so she just ma- she managed to skive off for like a whole week off school i think i've done the in maths in this episode like five days but marge is buying it because you know hey she didn't even do the head test what gives oh it's you know eight years of unscrupulous honesty uh yeah it's not worth it really <laughs> it's not worth being that honest sash there even if you do get five whole days off for school but lisa's lisa's Oh, really hamming up now saying oh, I think the germs are regrouping then switching instantly when it's right now I want hash browns and, and would it kill you to heat up the syrup and ah uh, dropped a game there rookie error Marge chucks her in the car chucks her into school so, uh, but I could affect the other kids oh that's a whiz- that's a risk I'm willing to take so <laughs> she speeds <laughs> off in the car excellent love it I mean I am sure there's been many a parent who's, who relates to that. You know, kids at home, hanging around the house. Mum just wants to put the feet up, glass mm. of wine, watch some daytime telly. Can't because the kid's still there, just bothering them. Get them back to school. Now, did you have... Not that my parents are strict, but like they knew better than not to trust this 12-year-old kid having a games console in his room. So if I wanted to play a game, it was segmented time... And it was always after my homework or after my dinner. It was only be for like an hour until I was like, well, after school, so like 16. Were you lucky enough to have it in your room there so you could be sick and just chill with the, uh, you know, your Nintendo there and your Mario Kart? Yeah, I don't think you understand how little my parents really cared about that kind of thing. Um, I definitely had, well, I'm trying to think what console I had. Yeah, my brother might have had the Nintendo in his room, but me, Game Boy, was definitely just allowed to keep in my room. So um spent many a night playing that under the covers long after I should have been in oh, bed. Oh, yes. Could I have done the same. Yes, I was with you there. So it turns out Lisa's, uh, well, done herself in. She even just lied here saying, no, I didn't get it. But she goes, oh, yeah, Ralph brought over, you know, Winds in the Willows. And she doesn't get excused for this test. Get to see the little frog go, game over, mate. And that's how we end. <laughs> Act one. But, um, you know, start of act two. Maybe Lisa can blag her way through it, you know. Mr. Toad has a red blank. Okay, skip that one. It's probably car, but what's the next one? Mr. Blank. 
goes to blank to blank his... Ah, oh, Jesus, I should have really... I'm so blanked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you been... I mean, I'm very much like Bart in this episode where... I mean, I wasn't work shy or a slack or that. I would do the homework and prep for tests and that. But, like, once it was done, like, I'm not going to cry about it. I'm not going to do my pan out. If there was a zero, if I got a D or whatever, then that's it. I can't change it. I can do better, but I can't change anything about that present test. Like, um, would you be dreading it like Lisa if you uh, kind of fucked it the night before or didn't do that much homework and came up um, shitters on the test? Nah, not really. Very much the same mentality. Like, what what are you going to do? You know what I mean? Um, the lowest score I ever got was 9 out of 100 for a maths test that I didn't revise for. <laughs> oh, right. I thought you were going to say 10, then. I was going to say you, little... But no, no, no. Okay, okay. So that was mortifying, especially because I think our teacher made us say our scores in front of the class, and I was sinking oh, quite bitch. low in my chair. No way. Yeah, I know. In hindsight, dick move on his part, but... Um, Definitely stuck in my mind as an experience I didn't want to repeat. So, yeah. Hey, there's a tweet in that. You could get like 45,000 sympathy likes there, along with all other traumatic Twitter um, users there. I've seen those tweets. They go viral. Lisa realizes that, oh, well, she's buggered. Like, and then she has this nice little uh, dream about getting at zero. Oh, oh, Ralph even pipes up, and the lowest score on this, oh, she's going to say my name. No, it's Lisa. And turns out, oh no, that, you know, the big wig at Harvard's there as well. I mean, oh, naturally, Harvard's doors are closed to you, but we can pass your fire ones at Brown. Brown. And, um, by the way, folks, Brown is, like, still one of the top ten, like, alma maters, universities in the whole of the United States there. So, of course, you know, these Harvard Simpsons writers uh, taking little jibes at the competition there, you know, very... Very obvious. Um, but, oh, it's a fine school. Didn't you graduate uh, from Brown Island? Yep, and you nearly got tenure. Like, wow, really, really sticking it to them there. It'd be like, what is it, Oxford having a go at Cambridge and that whole hoity-toity rivalry there, Sash? Yeah, for sure. I know that joke kind of made me side-eye. I guess it speaks to Lisa's perfectionism that she's only going to accept the best of the best. But I was like, I'm pretty sure Brown is actually like a fairly good uni. So, yeah. So she tries to get a breather to avoid the test there, but she sees Bart. Um, now, what the hell are you doing out of lesson? Oh, I'm, I'm already in there. Nice little dummy, by the way. You're into your crafts and your art and all that. This is a bang-up job by Bart. Even if it's this was such Olympics. a... Yeah, this was such a weird joke. Like, it was just a throwaway that Bart's made a perfect replica of himself mm. out of, like, latex and, I don't know, whatever else. Um... And that's just never, ever addressed in Simpsons canon again. Like, obviously not, because there's no, there's um, not really a big continuity nod in the show, but I found that so amusing. Just a completely, like, two-second throwaway gag that was actually really <laughs> an interesting bit of world-building, and then it's like, oh, yeah, sure, I guess. Like, yeah, really amused me. Now, I would say throwaway, but I'll give its credit. He does use that kind of skill later on when the comptroller comes in. And Lisa goes, that is very true. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I guess it is a good bit of foreshadowing in that sense. So, uh, good catch. So, but we'll just take the zero as it is. But that's not for everyone. So, 
he has a man on the inside there. And um, much like Yakuza 0 and uh, that first Yakuza game, there's a special compartment in the men's toilets there to another world there, Sash. But it's alright, you can go in there, Lisa. You haven't seen anything, you haven't seen when Dad boycotted pants. So what's <laughs> in this uh, boy's bathroom? It is, indeed, uh, Nelson Muntz, purveyor of fine goods by way of es- uh, essays, exam answers, what have you. Salesman of the year. Salesman of the year? Salesman of the month? Yes, yes, I can see on the wall there. Um, mm-hmm. Big shit big eating grin when he buzzes them in as well, I love that. Yeah, he, that was great. A great little gag. He knows his price. He knows his worth, and he's even got a file of it. You know, uh, you know, Miss Hoover at Wind in the Willows, and bang on, it's the um, it's the little help cards there, and I love the attitude here. It's very much like um, like very politicianal. You know, you dodge and make it work. Hey, you know, these are just help aids. You know, this is just a plant that's been processed. I can't help it if it has some kind of special effects on the body there. You know, it's out of control <laughs> if it gets onto the wrong hands. Mm-hmm. Gotta love that plausible deniability. Yeah, I really enjoyed this whole scene. It's um, it's quite nice to see Lisa and Nelson interactions because I mean, obviously they've been like significant ones with like when they dated and everything, but you don't really see them much. So yeah, this is a fun little scene. It was, and Lisa is about to hop on the moral high horse saying, no, forget it. I don't care even if it is a good price. I'm never going to cheat. And who overhears this but Ur Willy. Um, can't think of a better way to say this, but fist in turds in the bog. <laughs> saying, I, I don't know. I got a zero once. I turned out fine. Oh, you're slippery rascal. You're getting away. Yeah. And keep the change, and she's, she's going to cheat now. But Carrie, what were you going to say, Sash, before I... I was just going to point the out the very luminous colour of that toilet water that he's digging his hands into as well. I don't know. What the hell do you think happened there, Sash? Oh, God. Some radioactive shittery, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got... A, you know what I think might happen? Just in my head cannon, Ralph, like, consumed some glow sticks or something. I can oh, see mate! Hundred percent headcanon yeah. accepted. Love that. Um, I will say though, as much as the jokers, oh god, look at Willie and that. I'll have you know, I have got two good friends that are in the cleaning industry. If you can go independent and you're doing the job no one wants to do in life, you can make good coin there. Oh, I up, and it's respected uh, profession for sure. Mm. Give them a pay, guys. Good for you, lass. I got me a zero once, and my life turned out just fine. Oh, whoa-hoo, that's a nasty clog. Ooh, you've got yourself a partner, have you? Yeah. Keep the change. Come here, you slippery rascals. And we have, uh, it was nearly my favourite um, part of the episode, folks, but that comes uh, right at the very end, funnily enough. We have uh, Pinchy. He's a full adult now. He's a, you know, he's evolved like a very strong Pokemon there, and he's, uh, you know, he's been transported. He's been upgraded. He's now a free-range lobster. He's in the kiddie pool there with Homer, and um, he's feeding him hot dogs because he wants to grow up big and strong. And he ends up being so powerful, he ends up bringing Homer in with him. Come on, boy, dig in. He'll give you a big, strong thorax. Wow! <laughs> Why, you little duck! 
Oh, look at him cower. Just like the boy. I can't stay mad at such a helpless little mammal. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get you for that, you little scamp. Here, take that, Pinchy. <laughs> Homer's about to do his Bart strangling routine with him. And he cowers like a little scared dog. Oh, look at him cower, like the boy. <laughs> um, yeah, this is really cute, really adorable, this very short relationship between Homer and Pinchy's sash. Now, as far as the design of Pinchy there, because obviously lobsters are black when they're alive, and when they're, quote, humanely killed, they're uh, red with the finished product there. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously... It just looks odd if you have a black lobster in animation or in cartoon there. So you've got to give them, you know, that red hue there to make them instantly recognisable. But what do you make of Pinchy's design? Because for, like, lifelike model, it's, like, quite cute. They've done a very good job here. They really have. I was going to say that. Even aside from them doing the anime eyes moment later on in the episode, even here now... He's just so cute. I don't know how they managed to make this lobster so adorable, but he's just like, his little face, his little claws, really adorable. Like, very good job. I think the thing is, and this won't be a common thing I've just thought up now, um, but I think a lot with, if you want to, like, humanise some I don't know, alien or some kind of creature in a film or series, you have them act and move dog-like because they're mm-hmm. easy to garner sympathy there. And again, what does Pinchy do? He wags his tail. He kind of squeals a bit like a puppy as well. So very much got dog-like qualities in order to make him this innocent, uh, lovely creature there. So I think it's a lot into that uh, des- uh, design choice and movement choice, Sash, we'll say. Yeah, definitely. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Absolute spot on. So we get the results back from the test. And um, <laughs> I've just put two and two together, like, the hours before I hit uh, record on here, folks. Um, she, Miss Hoover graded these through lunch, and she ends up um, just spilling all kinds of booze over it. Kahlua, um, Drambuie, a bit of the Quantro <laughs> and all that. So she's been on the set. She's been in spoons for lunch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, no like, doubt. I've only just realised that over like the past couple of days. Like, I'm at these during lunch, and then I'm surprised she didn't let out a belch there. Um Oh, like Alan Carr does a great bit when he was doing stand up there of like going out for pints and wines, like when he was in an office job there and getting the red wine lips there. And you get Sheila, 55, you know, half dead, just waiting for retirement there and just like slumping in a chair trying to furiously type it out there. Um, yeah, God, God help Miss Hoover there. But as much as she's rubbed away the clue and all that, you know, marking down Ralph's grade there. Uh, Lisa's got an A++ sash through uh, scrupulous work and hard effort. She even got the um, she even got the question that the photocopier cut off. Yeah, definitely. Um, I love this whole bit. Again, just like the tight plotting in this episode, like you say, like the it's so streamlined, the way the pace of the day moves, um, the way it seamlessly ties into like the alcoholism joke with the grades and stuff. It's just like really, really funny. Um, and yeah, that little gag about obviously Lisa's copy from the answer key rather than actually like looking at the test. So of course she's got the answer that wasn't even visible on the sheet that she got. Fun little detail there. Just so, yeah, really amusing. And speaking of anime, speaking of anime eyes, we get this bit where, um, I mean, Pinchy's ready to go. He's ready to meet his maker and make a fine, uh, Thermidor bisque. 
Marge, like, a bit out of character, like, it's weird seeing her do the cartoon with her tongue, saying, oh, she's going to boil up nicely, come on, throw them in. I've never Mm -hmm. seen her that excited for meat before, like, at all. Why can't Pinchy, you know, serve his purpose, Sash? Why can't he? Oh, well, look at at the little guy. He's got those gorgeous little blinking eyes. Homer's holding him like a baby. Um, Just so cute. So uh, until then, Marge obviously gets a look at his face and he's like a bit slobbery and like creepy. And I've just paused it on a frame that really actually does make him look quite unappetizing. (laughs) But yeah. Oh, demonic, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And oh, and then she punches him on the nose, too. Yeah, oh, son of a... <laughs> <laughs> Feel that, Marge? He likes you. <laughs> Fucking, yeah, absolutely brilliant, though. Oh, I love that. Like, um, I love it when Marge in episodes is just the rational person. Like, mm-hmm. like no matter what, Homer will get a new job doing whatever. She'll just go through, so, you want to be doing this? Well, da-da-da, and then she just looks disapprovingly like She's just fed up at this point. I just, yeah. I just love that from Marge being the only sane human in the Simpsons household. Yeah, definitely. Um, I do like the episodes where she gets to be goofy as well. So the bit where she's in the kitchen and she's like, come on, let's cook the lobster. And it's kind of like, you know, cajoling him. It's also quite nice to see. Um, With a I do feel nice like apron. I like that apron. Big fan of the apron. Was also going to say the same thing for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, I guess my bugbear in comedy is that it is usually the men who get to be funny and the women who are forced into that kind of mm. emotionally stable or like deadpan role. Um, so kind of disagree, but also do kind of like how she's played in this episode. Like she's not too much of a killjoy. She's kind of got her own vibe of quirkiness going on, which I kind of appreciate. And so because, you know, Pinchy's one of the family now, they get lovely steamed main cabbages for dinner sash. Now, for folks at home, uh, Sash is a big fan of the old lettuce there and any kind of salad stuff there. So where's cabbage ranking? Would you be happy with this meal, even though it is boiled cabbage? A bit bland there. Um, would you be happy with this? Um, No, I'm going to say no, to be honest. Ooh, okay. Cute. I don't know. Uh, I've, I'd put something else with it, that's for sure. And I wouldn't have milk. Not a full glass of milk like that. That I can't be dealing with that. Bit much for me. What about you? Would you be happy with a plate of steamed main cabbage? Oh, hell no. But I tell you what, um, risotto, like, my God, that pinch is getting fed like a king. Oh, mate, winner, I know. So I, I like the little animation of, like, his, his claws getting used as hands and just, like, tucking in slowly into it. <laughs> yeah, no, that was great. Again, just, like, so many gags in this episode. It's so tightly good and I love it. Yeah, this is a great bit. What's wrong with you, Veggie? You don't even like me. No, but I like the smell of it. Now, I'm intrigued. Um, Are you very much like that, Sash, or mm-hmm. like the smell of steak, and or does it, you know, do you yeah. turn your nose up at it, or do you still like the smell of cooked meat, you know, fresh lobster, fresh... Uh, no, honestly, coffee. like, definitely agree with that. Um, This amused me, because I was like, oh, that's so relatable, because, yeah, I love the smell of bacon, love the smell of sausage, like, um, oh. yeah. Yeah, I know, it's still good. And honestly, I'm not even that strict as far as vegetarianism goes anyway, to be honest with you. So maybe that's a part of it. But yeah, uh, I'm definitely not opposed to like waking up to the smell of a fire or whatever. There's reason to celebrate because Marge, through a daily rummaging, has found uh, Lisa's A++ there. 
And um, that's all right. She's a uh, oh, the hinge on a diary as well. The <laughs> nosy old bear there. <laughs> I've only noticed this as well. The magnet for the hundreds yeah. of my other A plus papers there. My God. So funny. Yeah, I enjoyed that again. Oh, such a great little visual gag. Just a massive magnet. It's so unnecessary. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's great. So whilst Lisa storms out with everyone being proud of her fraud there, she's on the bus the next day and saying, again, my God, I've never resonated with anyone more currently than um, Bart in this episode, just saying, Look, you didn't have to read the book and you got a bang and grade. That's a win-win. Why can't you see that? And she says, no, don't you get something by getting something earnest and getting it through fraud? Maybe would you... No. No, sorry. I thought I had it there, but <laughs> no. Right, I'll just I'll just say this before. I sound like a shitbag who cheats on every girlfriend if we're going to go that extreme. As far as what um, Lisa said there, if it doesn't hurt anyone in the process... I don't have mm-hmm. an issue with getting something through, uh, like nefarious seems too strong. Um, not the typical way and to get it through honest, clean living. Like if you both get the end prod, I sound like a fucking Tory campaigner. Jesus. <laughs> if, if you can get it, the same product through an easier way, the same end result through an easier way. I don't see what the issue is. Am I a scumbag, Sash? Pull me out of this hole. Um... No, I am gonna. <laughs> I no, I, I gave it a second of thought, but no, I um, I'm gonna say no on the scumbagness. I think you're fair. It's a means to an end, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna out myself there, but you know, through doing certain tasks at previous jobs, there. If you <laughs> if you've just done what looks like a job and just say yes, it took me exactly two hours, and now it's conveniently my lunch break. Brilliant. You know, who needs to know? Like, honestly, um, a friend was helping me apply for some jobs recently and she was like, you know what? Everyone lies. Like, just help yourself out. Everyone lies. Everyone bends the truth. Like, you know, if you're not hurting anyone and it gives you a bit of a leg up in a really tough economy, then just give yourself a break. What's the harm in it? That's my take. Damn right. It's not lying if you don't say everything that happened. It's just omittance. There we go. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, yes, Your Honour. <laughs> <laughs> so Lisa's feeling guilty. Nelson's um trying to do the hard sell. He's trying to hook in, hook her in for further buys. You know, oh, I've got the denominators, but the numer- numerator's going to cost you. But she's feeling guilty, sick as sin there for having cheated. And uh, we hear Principal Skinner saying, "Oh, come in to uh, talk about the results of yesterday's test." And I'll say straight away, folks. My MVP for this episode, easily Skinner there, because of just what he becomes and how he hears of uh, how Lisa got this grade. And like, even mm-hmm. how he starts it, I've got to say something. Uh, I'm surprised and uh, devastated. No, that's not the word. Delighted. <laughs> and because she did so well, she herself has brought up the school one whole um, grade average there, so much that they get a basic assistance grant there. And he's, you know, we're a shining beacon. Blah, blah, blah. And she just cuts through the shit saying, stop it. I cheated, 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 cheated. And he's shocked. That's how we end Act 2, folks. And as we get back, um, yeah, he's horrified. And, you know, oh, why didn't Miss Hoover tell me? Like, and she doesn't know. You're the first one I've told. And he realizes, well, that's not really a problem. 
And this is where the shithousery starts, folks. And this is where I really fall in love with this episode. Because, I mean, it's real life. Like we've discussed before about jobs and finagling stuff and schmoozing about the place. This is real life. Like, we're, we're having it tougher than we've ever had in a very, very long while. Financially and, yeah, you know, morally and hell with everything else in the world there. This is just real life, Sash. I'm here for the shithouser. I'm here for them trying to hide everything because I've seen it so many times in real life. Yeah, definitely. I think what I like about this uh, ending to the episode is that in the last 10 minutes, it just gets a bit more surreal. You know, they just dial it up just ever so slightly. And it's been pretty straight laced so far. Obviously, kind of the Homer subplot is pretty whimsical. But, you know, you've got a pretty average kind of conundrum... um, bit of just kind of standard slice of life comedy and then it just takes on this like slightly surreal turn and it's just an Mm. elevation of the stakes that's so amusing it's really really well done i do think the writing on this episode is exceptionally good but what i did was wrong oh very much so but as long as we handle this in a mature and above all quiet manner we'll still get that grant money <laughs> well, you really scared me there. But we can't accept that money. It's tainted. No, no. Leave the money out of this. It's not the money's fault you cheated. Besides, I've already started spending it. Check out the new scoreboard. <laughs> I'm still learning all the buttons. Oh, it is superb. And the fact that I just. The line skinner comes out. If we do all this, you know, in a frank and, you know, more importantly, quiet manner. And then Lisa's talking about. Oh, well, you know, the money's tainted, though. Oh, don't blame the money. It's not the money's fault you cheated. <laughs> He's siding with the money. He's siding with physical paper there. Um, so funny. I've, I've, I've got to use that in real life. Like, if we meet oh. up there and there's some kind of finagling, oh, just, oh, it's brilliant. And it's all right. Like, the money's spent already, Sash, so what are they going to do on mm-hmm. a big um, score screen there? And Skinner's like my dad with an iPad. <laughs> I'm still figuring things out, but oh, look, I can do a cat filter on my face. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> Playing the Charge song. It's just brilliant. It's so good. I love it. And where Lisa's trying to talk to him and he just keeps pressing the button to interrupt her. So funny. But it's fine. She's going to go over his head and you know, he'll get a whooping so far. And, you know, our favourite Superintendent Chalmers comes in saying, Skinner, I'm outraging. Tell me this sooner. You were supposed to tell me when the scoreboard came in. Does it play charge? Oh, oh, oh does it ever? Like, ah, oh, they're just thick <laughs> as thieves. I love it. And then Lisa's busy saying, no, because it's fraudulent money because I cheated there. And um, we'll take a little walk to cool things over. Uh, Seymour, some walking music. And the... So funny. Oh, excellent. And then we obviously get to see literally the shithouse that um springfield elementary is here do you have any highlights of how um broke springfield elementary is here sash that tetherball um cinder block gag is so funny just completely ridiculous oh, and again this is cringe though oh yeah gosh. oh god yeah. yeah no without a doubt like really have to not think too hard about the impact but um it's the fun yeah just it as well and just <laughs> i don't know how they've got the animation of like it's clearly swung, the cinder box swung through Nelson's punch. It <laughs> looks like it stopped, but then because of the weight of the cinder block, it's bent it and then threw yeah. that momentum right into mm-hmm. Milhouse's schnoz and just the breaking of the glasses. 
and his yeah. nose maybe just that foe is disgusting I love oh, it, for it sure. made me cringe <laughs> same here but it just made me laugh in that like audacious kind of way like oh my god I can't believe they put in such a painful visual gag <laughs> but yeah And the first time ever, Sash, their um, computer lab is actually going to get a computer. And my God, this looks like some old 90s bollocks. This, the Coleco, which I believe was prominent in the 80s. So the fact this mm-hmm. came out in 96 shows you how behind the school is that they can only afford this 80s big brick there. And who's setting up there? Why it's good old Gil there? Um Apart from a mutual friend of ours who actually thinks he's the devil, I love Gil. And he came in in season nine, so he was a late addition to the series here. But I just mm-hmm. love pathetic male characters. Like, I'm a massive, <laughs> peep, I'm a massive peep show fan, and it's just yeah. the best. Because, you, I, I don't know, you, you can just kind of relate to it, or like, oh, it's so sad that it's cringe, and Gil gives a lot of that. Like, just his mm-hmm. delivery, he's based on... um. Jack Lemon in Glengarry Glen Ross, great film about yeah, capitalism and this old desperate man's trying to get sell this one house to you know not get fired. It's brilliant. A lot of tension and a lot of like capitalists in film. It's a great example. He's based on Jack Lemon's character. Like, oh, the wolf said, "Old Gill's door," and just the delivery. Dan Kesselnatter, a great character he made in that. What do you think of Old Gill? Yeah, definitely not as enamoured with him as you are but I do appreciate him when he comes up like you know we know we know what you're going to get when you see him on screen you know it's going to be some self-deprecating bad luck gag it's funny he's likeable in a really weird kind of way but yeah good fun um star of the show for me on this episode is Ralph Wiggum but I'm glad Gil's got a moment since he's such a favourite of yours Oh, and I think we're linking up to your fave bit, if I'm not mistaken. Let me uh, insert this bad boy music here. Because what meme is birthed from this, Sash? Oh, just this iconic Ralph Wiggum line. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Super Nintendo Chalmers. Meow. I'm learning. Aw, way to go, Ralph. Hi, Super Nintendo Charmers. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I don't even know why it tickles me so much. Just like I said to you before we started recording, but um, this is one of the many, many Simpsons lines that lives rent free in my head. Like, you know, if I'm playing on the Switch or whatever, like it might ghost across the forefront of my mind. Super Nintendo Charmers. <laughs> it just makes me chuckle. So funny. Now, um, I'm intrigued because obviously you practically grew up with nintendo systems in the household mm-hmm. when do you think you would have seen this episode for the first time if you could make any kind of a guess there what's the air date air date for this was uh 98 and bandicoot came in 96 so that was still relatively fresh reference in people's minds mm-hmm. so 98 so... this would have been on like sky i assume yeah uh so i would have been about five four or five years old and then i guess probably would have seen it when i normally watch the simpsons so kind of channel four back when it was sponsored by domino's pizza right. after school yeah did this get a big reaction out of you even though you're way past the super nintendo consoles and all that what like now watching it now what are you talking no, about what do you uh, mean? like watching it for the first time because you played the games and then obviously 
I'm assuming you went through different consoles way after that before you saw it for the first time. So was the yeah, reference yeah. still fresh? Did you still get a, oh, I played Nintendo. He said Super Nintendo Chalmers. Um, well, yeah, of course. I mean, this is just one of those Ralph Wiggum moments that's kind of referenced and memed so much, you know. I've definitely seen gift sets of, like, Ralph Wiggum quotes or whatever. So it's just one of those ones that, um, yeah, they just took out to me for that reason more than anything. Just like Ralph Wiggum being Ralph Wiggum. I'll finish it off by saying, have you seen the fan art of um, Super Nintendo Charmers as a Super Nintendo system? Oh my god, I haven't, but I'm going to do a quick Google search, if you'll bear with me. Yeah, uh, essentially he's is. got the features of it, and then, yeah, his head is a Super Nintendo system. Oh my god, that's cool. <laughs> oh wait, someone's got that as a tattoo. Holy heck. Oh, it wouldn't surprise me, yeah. Yeah, cool. that's some deep level of um, Simpsons reference. There's also a, a Super Mario uh, game like cover parody. There's some good art there. Neat. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. That's very no fun. Worries. Oh, and before we move on, and obviously Lisa, oh, I have no choice. She goes with the guilt. I like. I just like the line of Ralph doing the simplest task of uh, spelling cat out and going, I'm learning. And Lisa just goes, Oh, that's great, Ralph. Like, um, ge- like genuine support there, but it's very much. Um, I think it's more now with uh, me and you, Sash. Like, I've been getting Sash and um, wrestling, but you know, never gonna get them into football. But that doesn't mean I can't like chew their ear off about uh, the rise and falls of my Tottenham Hotspur there. So like, literally, if I'm going, ah, oh, someone scored a goal. Like, I can just imagine you being least going, Oh, that's great, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't really understand the specifics of it, but I see that you like it and I enjoy hearing about the updates because I enjoy your enthusiasm. And also a big fan of our son, you know, Tottenham Hotspur's uh, golden boy, charming fellow. Pinchy. We get Pinchy, you know, beachside there with a Homer. Like, this was my fit, like, last month during that heat wave there. Like, I even had the striped shorts and everything and open Hawaiian shirt. Like, I was Homer at this point on the beach. <laughs> On the beach. <laughs> uh, but Pinchy, just like a dog, he's just getting walked. He's even got a collar and everything, Sash. How cute. Super cute. But like a irresponsible dog owner, um, Homer decides to almost let him off the leash and say, hey, look, you've got a little buddy here, and it's the smallest hermit crab <laughs> bullying this big bullying this big um, lobster. He squeals, hey, don't let that crab punk your ass out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Again... Magic. Pinchy for a single episode character in a subplot has so much personality. Definitely yes. in the ranks of my uh, favourite minor Simpsons characters. Oh, is that high? Okay, okay. Mm, he's I up there. Have, I'm I not sure if he'd be a top. Before. I'm not sure if he'd be a top five, but quite possibly a top ten. I may have asked you this before, rather than saying, "Oh, who's your number one?" Like a common answer. Could you cycle through? I guess your top five, or who who's always in your mind. As a great tertiary, great side character. Um. Oh gosh. Uh. To name a couple: Patty, Jasper, Moleman. Um. Oh gosh. Uh, Otto is quite a big favourite. Um. Maud Flanders actually was quite a fan of R.I.P. Really? Uh. Oh, yeah. Surprise. Okay. Uh. Oh, Edna Krabappel. I don't know. If she's like really a minor enough character to be considered a minor character, but mad respect 
And who of all people's on this speech there? Why? It's Captain McAllister himself there, just busy critiquing Pinchy. Ah, it's not his fault. He's a sissy. He's coddled. <laughs> Looks at the woman. All right. Don't look at me. I want to do it. Uh, sorry, it's usually the mother. And he goes to offer... Now, again, looking back on it, he's running a scam. This school is clearly a scam because he says, oh, we teach tough love and all that. And Marge just shoots it down. What's in this snobby boarding school? All right, well, I'll just ask you this. Do you have any spare change? <laughs> like, if he, like, he's persistent. He's not going to get it through this phony school, so... I'll just panhandle. It's fine. Do you have a fiver on you? Again, just that dip into surrealism, you know, for The Simpsons. And they just do it so seamlessly, you don't even really notice that it's happening. And then you're like, wait, this entire scene is just completely bizarre, like, from start to finish. Mm. It's just something they do so deftly and so well. You've got to admire it. We're hitting the peak now, folks. This is the big climax there. Is Lisa going to blab? Is it going to go well? Well, we're going to find out because it's a special evening at the elementary school there. They're handing over the big assistant grant check from Comptroller Atkins himself there. Even gets a little woo from home as he stands up there. What a load of bullshit. So he just talks about how, you know, this girl's tireless efforts there has raised the school. Da 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 da. And um, Lisa gets up to the mic to do a little uh, acceptance speech, if you will. And she goes, As much as this is good for the school. You know, it's uh, ill-fated money because I cheated on Skinner. He's fucking sweating bullets here. Just the... Uh, and just adjusting the tie. Comptroll looks at him. Uh, like, devious smile on him there. And <laughs> just him jumping in with the lines of, like, uh, Lisa was saying, oh, you know, it's not good to have stuff with ill-gotten means... No, she's lying. She doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Just bullshit oh. a child to lie. It's fantastic. Yeah, so ridiculous. But at the same time, not to get too deep with it, but it shows Lisa's naivety here, you know. She doesn't understand what it's like as an adult to be in charge of a publicly... Mm. As an underfunded public school, you know. She's like, here's my morals. And it's like just this case of not seeing the wider picture. And maybe as a kid, maybe you kind of watch this and think, oh, the adults are kind of jerks for encouraging them to lie. But as an adult now, I'm like, no, fuck no. They had every single right to like not let an eight-year-old make this decision for them. Excuse me. Take that money, you know? That's what always annoyed me and has annoyed a fair few fans with... um the end of The Old Man and the Lisa there. Uh, we reviewed that. Everyone go check it out. But mm-hmm. at the end where Mr. Burns says, oh, as you know, 10% owner, you get 10% of the profits there. And it's $100 million. And she rips up the check. Like you can't like you can't spend the evil old man's money on positive things and charity work and all that. Oh, no, I'll just bin it all off. Like, really? Mm-hmm. Ah, boils my blood sash. Very much yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely agree. Like that money can be, maybe it's ill-gotten gains, but it can be used for so much more good than that initial moment of swallowing your pride and taking Mm. it, you know? Yeah. So with Lisa, you know, being honest there, we have, uh, well, Comptroller Atkins, so we're led to believe, saying, oh no, wait a minute, how dare you boo this girl? (laughs) Um, getting a bit personal here, but just him going, who are you to say that you've never cheated on your wives? Or your husbands? And like, all oh, Springfield look around shame. They're like, a bunch of shaggers here, uh, Sash. What is going on? 
on the bomber or what? This is mad. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird moment, isn't it? And you know, where he comes from, Canada, we report like honesty. And she you should applaud this little girl for being so brave. And Lisa gets a big final moment there. She cracks a smile and she gets to go home happy. Marginally let it fucking slip though, because she just adamantly goes, Isn't that wonderful, honey? You got the highest grade in the class. But no, mum, the highest grade. <laughs> Door slam shut. No, we're done. It's fine. So what happened I like that. Oh, sorry, go on. Oh, no, what did you like? And then I was going to say, what happened when the doors shut? But what did you like about it? No, I was just about to, basically, I was kind of jumping the gun. And I, what I really like about this is that the plot twist is so ridiculous that you don't see it coming. Even though you know The Simpsons is a weird show and there's like these pockets of surrealism juxtaposed with the real life. Like when I was watching this, I did not have a clue what was going to happen until the last moment. And I was so, I watched it and I was smiling. So I was so pleasantly surprised just realizing that everyone is in on this and it's a whole like gag that the whole school is in on. I was just like, that's brilliant. It's so funny. It's so ridiculous. I love it. Well, um, looking at production notes for the research for this episode here, the writers had absolutely no idea how to finish this episode. It took them weeks. It, they were, like, slogging over their brains with it there. Like, the B-plot was all mad and daft for that. It was easy to write. But just how they got to Lisa admitting she was being a cheat and that, in order to wrap it up, they slogged over that. They had no idea how to do it until mm-hmm. they were influenced by... A 70s film called The Sting where it's like, okay. I, I believe it's a crime caper and it's this big heist with people's false identities, very much like this, so the fact they're able to do their own version of The Sting and it works like, I don't see this as being a bad ending, like morally, like this is just, oh hoodwinking it this is like humans being humans, like I've said before there, and ju- mm-hmm. like I'll, I've said it before, love the shithousery as a British term as that is I love the bollocks, I love the desperation, just, like, Krabappel having a look, here comes the real comptroller, quick! And then Otto's taking that mask off, acting's hard, I'll be in the trailer. (laughs) (laughs) And they read it like a book. They read it like a book. The plan worked there, because we we get the real real comptroller Atkins, don't we, there, with a a papier-mâché Lisa as well. For sure. I can just imagine the staff room conversation here. Like, all the Simpsons faculty, oh, Lisa Simpson in grade eight or whatever grade she's in, like, oh, what a troublemaker, what on earth are we going to do about it? Mm. Just makes me laugh that, like, yeah, they all clearly had enough insight into her behaviour to be able to pull this off. Very amusing. This grant ensures a light bulb in every classroom and a high-definition TV for the teacher's lounge. Okay, people, let's have a round of applause for the real comptroller. Idiot. I know a liquor store where we can cash this right now. Oh, yeah, the Springfield, the elementary screw job, as it were, there. <laughs> but this controller, you know, is Lisa going to come up? Little paper mache figure uh, that Bart operates there. And fucking Skinner, he's my MVP, but fuck me, he nearly ruined the whole thing as well. All right, now let's hear it for the real comptroller. And, ah. Uh, <laughs> um, Charm was just ushering away and him going, huh? 
And before he clapped, the fucking idiot <laughs> just slams the door. Oh Christ! Well, I've, I've, we've all been there as well. Just like nearly like something slip in the group chat or when you're on the session, you think you fucking Egypt. What are you playing at? <laughs> right? Yeah. You kind of forget that this guy isn't in on it, and then it's mm. just like that extra bit of humor, you know. Oh, and it's fine though, because the forget fuck the light bulbs and the schools and high definition and the teachers aren't there. We're going to Spoons Lads. I know a place. I know off license <laughs> that takes this cash. Wait, play the darts theme. <laughs> Fucking what a boy Skinner is. Oh, fantastic. Oh, absolute lad. Everyone's happy. Like the school have their money. Lisa has her honesty back and that's the best grade she's ever had as she proudly marks up her F there but oh, who brought all this bloody mud into the house there Sash oh it's Pinchy you got all dirty chasing birds in the park yes. or something yeah <laughs> <Chasing birds. laughs> so it's fine he's a home's running a nice hot bath and before he realises what fucking Egypt he's been and what he's done Bart just comes and goes Whoa, what smells good here and the, oh my god, it's like, um, it's a very horror film, slow pitch, you hear the violent Pinchy, Pinchy, runs up, but no, the, the, the body's gone, uh, the, the heroine's died there, Pinchy is no more, um, and we have my favourite bit of the episode, folks. And I think the first time in history, it's the very end of an episode is my favourite bit. I'll cue mm-hmm. it up now. But Dan Castaneda, like, I believe he's actually crying in the booth and mourning. He gives such a convincing performance and a credit to David Silverman or whoever uh, did the art direction on this because just, it looks very real, just like Homer sobbing, covering his eyes, then covering his mouth and then letting out a big cry. It's really realistic, mm-hmm. Sash. Yeah, I agree. There's so much um, motion in this, just like so many facial expressions, like such comedy of movement and visual Mm. brilliance. It's really fun. I definitely agree. It's a great scene. (laughs) Oh, man, that's good. Pass the butter. Are you going to eat that all by yourself? Uh, Pinchy would have wanted it this way. <laughs> My dear sweet Pinchy. <laughs> no more pain where you are now, boy. <laughs> oh, God, that's tasty. I wish Pinchy were here to enjoy this. <laughs> And just between the sob and the oh man, that's good. <laughs> You're gonna eat that all yourself. <laughs> ah, what he There's gonna wanted. be no pain where you are now. It just breaks his back open. <laughs> Rips the thorax, sucks it all out. Oh man, that's good. And yeah, oh, what a banging scene to end on. And what a way to the end of the episode, folks. So, as it has been in the past, Sash, I would like to have your. Final thoughts, as Jerry Springer once said, and your own unique rating out of five. And to catch you up, when I say unique rating out of five, folks, it might be uh, three out of five pinchies, or you know, two out of five uh, 
cinder block tetherballs. Um, all right, well, don't take all my ideas, will you? <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I feel pinching is an obvious no. one. You've got, to, you've got to get more creative. I know. Those improv skills will be coming in handy in the next minute or so. Let me tell you that. But yeah, for real. Um, so a surprisingly good episode. I wasn't sure what to expect. I couldn't remember what I was in for when um, we started reviewing this one. But very funny, perfect blend of slice of life and surrealism. A very clever way to kind of turn the moral of like, oh, being honest is the most important thing like on its head. Makes a great commentary about funding and school and kind of um, doing what you need to do to get what you need. Uh, and yeah, just overall really funny. Lobster subplot was great. So much fun. Not a not a particularly weak moment in this episode at all. I think it was strong from top to bottom, to be honest with you. Uh, one of my favourites. Um, so yeah, I would definitely, honestly... With that in mind, if it's not too strong to say so, I would give it um, five Crash Bandicoot ripoffs out of five. Ah, you're on the Dash Dingo hype after the Crystal Babies. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> For me, um, I mean, I've already sung its praise and gave its flowers, but just to put it on a nice, neat little package, as Homer once said, um, it's just bollocks. Like, in the best way, everyone's so desperate, everyone's so immoral and very moral at the same time there. I can't think of a weak, quote, performance from each character there. Like, I love Bart's dialogue, Skinner, obviously amazing, Ralph, uh, Marge as well. There's not a weak bit of dialogue, there's not a weak character moment at all there. Um, the B-plot, I'll just say, one of the best ones in the show's history, as mad mm-hmm. as it is, him befriending a lobster, but it is genuinely so cute and nice and then just of course he's fucking fucks it up and kills it of course that's going to happen like clearly um lovely social commentary on you know you you gotta bury your morals a bit for dollar in order to help yourself out there you know it's not lying if you admit you know it's not a lie if you believe it as uh george costanza once said in seinfeld and with that being said I'm going to mirror you, Sash, and it's going to shock a lot of people. Oh, but it's season 10, Tyler. Well, I don't give a shit. I thoroughly mm. enjoyed this. I laughed my guts up. I can't see any weak points of this. So with mm-hmm. that being said, I'm going to say a 5 out of 5 um, Sherbet Hoovers, a Desmond Tootie Fruities, if you will. Nice. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Good, good, good. Mmm. Sounds good.